Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, what's up? Thanks for dropping in with me for another episode. Um, Today, just a quick solo episode. You're stuck with me. Um, But about a month or so ago, I put out another solo episode, just kind of addressing one of the most frequently asked questions that I get uh, when I'm talking to people about the the prospect of franchise ownership. And that is um, different ownership approaches, meaning you know, is it possible or viable to start a franchise business without the owner being involved on a full-time basis? So a lot of times that question is coming from a place of, you know, hey, I've got a pretty good corporate gig and, you know, the the income's good, the benefits are good. I know it's not what I want to do forever. I love the idea of owning my own business, but, you know, it's really hard to walk away from the income and the benefits and, essentially start from zero and, you know, build the business from the ground up and, you know, ride out that, that ramp up period until, you know, the business is generating uh, enough income. So, and, and that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, it's, it's, I think a very common thing to, you know, be thinking about the future and to know that maybe the the track you're on right now is not the track you want to be on forever and start thinking about, you know, how you can lay the groundwork to maybe exit corporate America and work for yourself, own your own business, but do so in a way that's not massively disruptive to your lifestyle and, um, and your financial security. So, that's what I really addressed in that that last solo episode. And I had mentioned at the end of that that I wanted to do a follow-up and and actually share some examples from you know one of the franchise businesses that my wife and I own that that we started in a similar manner. In our case, we weren't employed, but we had two other businesses that we were already operating, both of which, you know, really kept my wife and I busy in a full-time capacity. So when we started thinking about the idea of starting a another franchise business, we knew that we needed to do it in a way that it wouldn't take either of our full-time attention and and cause us to, you know, take our eye off of the ball with these other businesses that um were fairly successful and and generating good income for us. We didn't want those businesses to go backwards, but you know, there were there were some reasons that we were really interested in starting another franchise. So, um if you didn't catch that last solo episode, we'll post the link to that in the show notes if you want to go back and check that out. Um but really just wanted to share some some real life lessons that we've learned uh, over the the last almost three years of you know essentially starting building and running a franchise business without being involved in a in a full time capacity. So you know typically what you'll hear if you're researching franchise businesses 
is you'll hear that a franchise is maybe positioned as what they call a semi-absentee ownership model. Uh, You'll hear this referred to as an executive ownership model as well. Regardless of the terminology, all they really mean is, hey, you can hire a manager or a general manager or an operations manager to run the day-to-day of the business full-time for you as the owner so that you don't have to be involved in the business full-time. And so, you know, some of what I addressed in the last uh, podcast that I referenced is the fact that, you know, look, in theory, any business can be run this way, right? It's, It's really a manage the manager model. But the fact of the matter is the reality is that not all businesses and not all franchises are going to be as ideal to start that way as others. Um, and and so go back and check out that that last episode if uh, if you didn't, because I kind of unpacked that a little bit. But and I don't want to be too repetitive right here, um, but there there are definitely franchises out there where, you know, you'll see that it's it's the more common approach for the franchisees that they did start the business with a manager in place from day one. And they, as the owner, were not involved in a full-time capacity. And, and so sometimes what that looks like is as, as the business grows and scales and you know does start providing more consistent income, um, then the owner can transition into more of a full-time role. Uh, a lot of times that makes it easier to walk away from a corporate job or, or whatever the case may be. But in other cases, the the manager may never really have to transition into a a full-time role because, you know, they've got a good manager or or even a a team of managers in place that they can continue to rely on to manage the the day-to-day and those managers report up to, to them as the owner. So in terms of our personal experience, um, just a, a little bit of background, you know, my wife and I started our first franchise business in 2018. Um, that business, my wife was really involved in it full time from the very beginning. So we did not start that with any sort of a, a manager in place. You know, that was my wife's full time focus in the the beginning and you know really still is to this day she's got a great team in place so you know her her time commitment to that business is a lot more flexible now you know five and a half years later than it was when when we were first starting that but it was almost three years ago october of 2020 when we signed franchise agreements with the second franchise brand that we invested in that, you know, we started with a manager in place. And so, you know, as we started looking at at other franchise options, we knew that, you know, that was going to be the best approach for us. Because again, you know, my wife was really, you know, spending most of her time on our first franchise business. I had my consulting practice. We also have a young family. So a lot of responsibilities that go with that. We just weren't in a position. We didn't have the bandwidth for either of us to, you know, really focus full time on another business. But there were some things that were really appealing to us with the idea of, of starting a second franchise. We, 
you know, had some ideas around getting into a business that would be complementary in in some form or fashion to the first franchise that we started. Um, so those were kind of the the two of the criteria that we were looking for, right? Something that would be complementary to our existing business and something that was suitable to start with a manager in place day one. And I can tell you, tell you guys this, we've learned so much over the last, you know, three years. Some of it's been, you know, fun learning lessons and some of it's been not so fun learning lessons. You know, we've definitely taken a few bumps and bruises along the way. We still own this franchise, um, but it's it's not gone exactly the way that, that we had anticipated. So um, I want to share just a few, a few, examples of things that I believe we got wrong and, you know, knowing what I know now, learning what we've learned over the last three years, we would do different differently and that I would advise, you know, anyone else to, to really put some serious time and thought into if they are considering starting a business in, in this manner where they're essentially hiring someone to run the day-to-day for them right out of the gate. All right. So the first the first lesson, and this is going to sound kind of common sense, I think, but um, I think this is one a pitfall that's easier for people to fall into than they may may realize. But that's simply we were not hands-on enough in the beginning. And what I mean by that is we did not really jump in and immerse ourselves in the business the way that we as owners should have to really learn the ins and outs of the business and everything that you know we needed to know to do our jobs as owners correctly right we kind of had this safety net going into it of oh we've hired this manager we feel really good about this person and you know their skill set and their desire to learn and so you know, for us, and and I would say this is probably how it usually plays out if someone is starting a franchise with a manager is, you know, we hired this person before we opened the business. We hired them before, you know, we even went to training. So he was able to come to training with us. I mean, he was able to go through all of the steps that we did as new franchise owners. And so, you know, I know for me, and, and I think my wife would probably say the same, there was always this thought in the back of our mind is like, Hey, we don't need to, you know, learn this as thoroughly as, as we probably should, because we're paying this person over here to learn it and become the expert. And, and we just have to kind of oversee them. So, you know, the technical side of the business, right. This, this is an insulation uh, business that I'm referring to. So, you know, the, some of the building science, the, the technical aspects of it. Um, I'm not saying we didn't participate and we didn't, you know, learn it all, but I don't think we made that a primary focus for as long as we should have. We kind of deferred a lot of that to to our manager. And I think, you know, looking back on it, that put us at a, a, a disadvantage for sure, um, especially, you know, as the business grew and we ended up having to make some changes at the at the management level, which I'll go into more detail on later. So as common sense as that probably sounds, you know, whether you have a full-time job or, you know, you have another business or multiple businesses or just other responsibilities pulling you in different directions so that, you know, you're not 
going to be running that business full-time when you launch it, make sure you block the time, ample time to really dig deep and learn the business, get your hands dirty uh, in the beginning. You know, it doesn't have to be that way forever, but also just make sure that you're continuing to invest time in, in really learning the business and becoming an expert. And I think that will will serve you very well long-term and, and prevent the risk of you potentially getting handcuffed by a manager that you know knows so much more about the business than than you do. Um, so that's the first lesson, you know, really make the time to to learn the business and become an expert, even if you're not going to be working in the business um, all day, every day. Um, and I think going it going hand in hand with that is, you know, don't give a manager too much rope. All right. Uh, especially as as the business starts to get a little bit more established you know, don't give them so much rope that you're not you're not providing some oversight. I'm not saying to micromanage them. Um, you know, no high caliber employee is gonna do well in a situation where they're constantly being micromanaged. Um, and that almost defeats the purpose of having a manager in the first place. But you know, it's it's kind of the trust but validate mentality, right? And just have some good processes in place where you're able to, you know, check and make sure that, you know, the manager's doing the work that needs to be done and they're doing it the way that, you know, you as the owner expect it to be done. And so I think if you if you set that as an expectation up front and and have a consistent way of checking in with your manager, which kind of ties into the next point here was, you know, I know one thing I can see clearly looking back on, on our experience with this is we just, we didn't have enough structure um, in terms of, you know, regularly scheduled meetings with, with our manager in terms of, you know, reporting that, you know, the manager was running up to us so that we could, you know, keep an eye on key metrics in the business. And don't get me wrong, the franchise had some of this stuff in place, right? But, you know, we just never really set up enough structure to make sure that we were collectively, you know, ownership and management looking at these things, reviewing these things together and, you know, catching early indicators of where we may be off track in certain aspects of the business and, and that we may have opportunity to get better. And, you know, believe me, it's a lot easier to put this structure in place from the very beginning when the business is smaller and just getting started, much, much more difficult to come back and try to add some of this structure in, you know, as the business is bigger and, and things are moving faster and, and there's just, you know, a lot more moving parts and pieces to it. So um, don't give your manager too much rope. Don't micromanage them, but, you know, really put some good processes in place, make sure there's good structure, you know, with your manager so that um, you know what they're doing and where they've got opportunity to get better, but also so that they know that you're paying attention and that you're invested in this just as much, if not more as they are. I think that's one thing looking back on it that we didn't do a very good job of. I'm sure there were times that our manager 
you know, felt like we just weren't as involved as we should be as owners because we have all these other things going on. I'm sure there were times where he felt like he just wasn't getting the support or the encouragement that that he really needed. Um, and so I'll, I'll tie that into the next you know bullet point that I'd written down here, which is just you know set clear expectations with your manager. You know, obviously that goes back to when you begin the the recruiting and the hiring process, you need to make sure you've got a clearly defined job description and, you know, any good franchise is going to be able to help you with that in terms of making sure you clearly understand the role that a manager would play for you. But, you know, also set expectations with your manager, like, Hey, this role is, is likely going to evolve. So, the job description that's in front of you right now, what you're spending a lot of your time on, you know, in the first six months or the first 12 months of the business likely will change and evolve as the business grows, right? And, you know, you need to make sure that your manager understands that and is is comfortable, you know, evolving with the role as the company grows. Um, I, I can look back and see that that's, that's probably, something that we ran into is that, you know, we, we had a manager that in my opinion did a phenomenal job in the first 12 months of that business. I mean, we got to a point where we, we did seven figures in revenue in our first 12 months of business um, did a lot of things really well. I think he, he absolutely, you know, dove in and became an expert in insulation and he didn't he didn't have prior experience in that industry um he did a good job developing relationships with clients like builders and contractors and he did a pretty good job building out the the initial team you know that that we ran with and and helped us get to that seven figure mark within the first 12 months i think where we started to run into some challenges was as the business grew um, he had a little bit of trouble adapting to what his role needed to be, you know, once we were a seven figure business with, you know, six or seven employees compared to what his role was when we were a brand new business or, you know, a business doing $30,000, $40,000 a month in revenue. So, you know, some of that a lot of that I would say falls to us as owners, right? So, you know, you need to set very clear expectations that, hey, this is what the role is today. But, you know, if things are going well, this role is going to evolve. We're not expecting you necessarily to know everything that you need to know to to get to the next level, but we expect that you're willing to to learn and that you're willing to adapt, right? Because I can clearly see looking back now that, you know, we got comfortable doing things a certain way in that business and that worked up to a certain point but as the business grew the way we did things needed to change in in a lot of aspects and you know i think our manager just got really comfortable the way things were done initially and and had trouble adjusting and adapting um and and so set clear expectations on that um and and the other thing I would say is, you know, set clear expectations in terms of what your vision for the company is and what your vision for 
your manager is in the company, you know, as it grows to, to get the type of person that you're likely going to want and need to run the day-to-day of any business for you, you know, you need someone that's motivated by growth opportunity, right? Um, and, and so number one is, you know, incentivize appropriately. There's a lot of different ways that you could could do this and you need to understand the the economics of the business that you're, you know, getting into, um, you know, when it comes to, to figuring out the exact compensation plan for your manager. But, you know, I'm a big, big believer that if you're looking at this type of approach where you are delegating the day-to-day management of your business to someone else, you need to make sure that they are incentivized to, to think like an owner, right? Not to think like an employee or a salesperson or just a manager, because it's one thing to grow the revenue of the business. It's an entirely different thing to grow the revenue of the business and maintain, you know, a strong profit margin. So, you know, we made sure that we had a compensation plan in place for our manager where, you know, he had a base salary and it was a, a decent base salary, but nothing exorbitant. Um, but he had the opportunity to earn considerably more than his base salary based on performance. And that performance was tied to, yes, revenue, but also tied to profitability. And the way we structured this was, you know, he essentially had the opportunity to earn what I've always referred to as phantom equity, meaning that he could get paid as though he had ownership in the company, even though he didn't invest any money up front. Um, and he was getting a salary, which we as owners have never taken any sort of a, a set salary in any of our businesses. We've always paid ourselves through distributions. And so, you know, he had the opportunity to, to, earn certain percentages of distribution rights based on, you know, performance metrics that were tied to both revenue and profitability. And in this particular case, had the opportunity to earn up to 30% distribution rights, simply meaning he could have been paid as though he owned 30% of the company in addition to his salary, in addition to his benefits. If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives 
and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected, and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. There's a lot of different ways that you can structure this, right? My my point here is just, you know, think through this and make sure that you don't have someone that's just on a fixed salary and they don't really have any opportunity to earn more, but they know they're going to make at least a certain amount because that may not really incentivize appropriately, but also, you know, make sure they're incentivized to think like an owner and not just focus on the the top line. Um, that's going to be really, really important. But within that, a lot of different ways that that you could structure that. But I think also, you know, going back to setting clear expectations, make sure that your your manager understands again what the long term vision is and and what you feel the potential for that business is. I mean, I remember sitting down with our manager shortly after we hired him and and you know really laying out for him like a lot of the the projections that we had put together for this business and you know sharing with him the the pro forma worksheets that we had put together i wanted him to see that you know we were confident this business had huge potential long term but also set realistic expectations that hey this isn't going to happen overnight so you know you're going to have a base salary and you know in all likelihood because of the way your compensation plan is structured, you're not going to earn significantly more than your base salary in the first year. You know, it will likely take two, two and a half, three years for you to max out your compensation plan in terms of, you know, earning your full distribution rights. And then from there, it's a matter of continuing to grow to grow the business, fine-tune operations so that we're you know, maintaining, if not improving a certain profit margin. But over time, if you do these things well, this is the potential, right? And I also shared our vision with him that, you know, this is likely not the last franchise company that that we're going to get involved in. So, you know, there could potentially be roles even larger than managing just one operation for us down the road. So I wanted to really paint this picture for him and, and none of it was, was BS by any means. I mean, we we had done the research. We were very confident in the the business opportunity. We were confident in in his ability. But I can look back on it now, and I think that you know maybe I didn't do a good enough job setting expectations in terms of how long it was going to take for him to really start realizing, you know, some of the additional compensation that he could qualify for. And I think I also probably didn't do a good enough job setting expectations that like, hey, none of this is guaranteed, right? It's the whole reason we've got the comp plan set up like that is you have to earn it, right? And a profitable business is not going to just fall into your lap. It's not going to, 
materialize overnight. There's a lot of hard work and time that has to go into it. And, and this all ties into, you know, some of what I've touched on already, which is just, you know, structure and expectations around how the manager's role would need to evolve in order to get the business to a, a profitable point, but also continue uh, making adjustments and changes within the business so that it can become more profitable over time. And, and that was something that, you know, going into our second year, I, I think we really struggled with. Um, and so, you know, really all of that combines for, you know, whether you're working a corporate job or, you know, you have other businesses, whatever the case is, right? You're hiring a manager to run the day-to-day of the business for you. That does not mean that you can't be involved and you can't be present and you can't know what the hell is going on in your business, right? And I'm not preaching at anyone here. We made a lot of mistakes <laughs> with each of these things, right? Um, and, and I know some of this sounds common sense, but when you're in the thick of it and, you know, you've got all these other things that are, you know, pulling your attention in, in different directions, it can be pretty easy to, to get less and less involved and just kind of say, Hey, I've got a manager in place. They seem to be doing a pretty good job with everything, you know, looking at the business without you know, being highly involved and digging too deep, it looks like things are going pretty well. Um, because at some point it can almost get uncomfortable, you know, to to dive in deeper if you've not been that involved for for a while, right? Your manager can start to feel like maybe you're you're starting to micromanage if you know if you haven't been micromanaging up to that point. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to get more involved. You know, they may feel a little bit like you're, you know, kind of uh, infringing on on them or you're insinuating that they're not doing a good job. So back to expectations, make it clear, you know, to your manager that, you know, it's your job to to help them and to push them, you know, to continue to get better. And that if you come to them with suggestions or ideas or feedback, whether it's positive or negative, it's coming from a place of, hey, I want you to succeed because that means that we're all succeeding, all right? You don't want that to come from a place of, you know, you're insinuating to them that they're doing a crappy job and, um, you know, they're they're letting you down because that can really demotivize, uh, motivate someone. Um, but that's hard to do if you haven't been doing that consistently. And if you didn't have the structure and the processes in place for, you know, these regular meetings and check-ins. Um, and, and so, you know, if you've done all of these things well, then a lot of it will come down to the the manager and, and are they really capable? Are they the right person? And, you know, we all know in, in business or in any organization that, you know, the, the person that can get you to, to point A is not always the same person that can get you to point B or to point C and, and so forth. And so the other, you know, I think big lesson that that I've taken away from this, and I've seen this with other, you know, people kind of operating manager-run businesses is 
if if it's not working, do not wait too long to pull the plug and pivot and go in a different direction. Again, sounds common sense, totally different when you're in the thick of it, right? Uh, you know, in our situation, I would say we got a bit handcuffed by our manager, right? Because he was doing okay, right? We're two and a half years in and he's doing okay, right? The revenue's pretty good. The profit's not quite where we want it to be, but we're not losing money. We're not really making a ton of money, but it's running pretty smoothly. And in terms of my day-to-day, my day-to-day was pretty smooth because I had someone in place handling you know, the the ins and outs of that business on a daily basis, right? So that kept me free to do the work that I really enjoy doing, which is, you know, recording the podcast and advising people on franchise ownership and um, everything that comes with that. It gave me the bandwidth to, you know, really have the the quality of life and the lifestyle that I wanted, um, you know, with the kids and the family and, and everything outside of work. And so, I, I can tell you with certainty, there were numerous points where we knew that, you know, our manager just was not the right person to take the business to the next level. All right. And it wasn't after a lot of trying, you know, your your manager needs to be coachable, needs to be willing to learn, needs to be willing to adapt. And and if they just don't have that in them, then it's it's probably not going to work. I will sit here and and full-heartedly admit that, you know, I probably have a lot to learn in terms of being a better leader um, because I couldn't get this manager to understand why we needed to adapt and why we needed to change the way that we were doing things a little bit. I couldn't, you know, motivate him to want to grow as a person and as a manager so that the business could continue to grow and and really thrive the way that, that we knew that it could. Um, So a lot of that's on me, but the fact of the matter is there's, there's always going to be people out there that, you know, whether it's ego or, you know, whatever the case, they, they just get to a certain point and, and they really struggle to, to evolve to the next level. And so, but it can be any number of reasons why, you know, you have a manager running your business and it gets to a point where they're not working out. That could be two months in to the business. In our case, it was, you know, two and a half years, but, you know, really we started seeing some some pretty strong indicators between a year and a year and a half. And we just let it ride and we let it ride because that was the more comfortable option than doing something about it, right? Because doing something about it in terms of making a change in management would have meant I had to get uncomfortable. It would have been disruptive to, you know, my other business and my my lifestyle that I'd gotten, you know, really used to enjoying. Would it have been the right thing to do? Yeah. And I think I knew that at the time, but, you know, we waited we waited way too long because we were essentially handcuffed and because we were comfortable. You know, the business was doing good enough, but certainly not great. Right. And what do they always say? The enemy of great is good enough. And, you know, we definitely fall into that. I think a lot of business owners that are, 
you know, leveraging a manager fall into to that pitfall. And so if you're seeing the early indicators that, you know, your manager is not a good fit or, you know, they just need to do things differently, do your best to address it first. And this is where if you've, you know, been more hands-on in the beginning and learned, you're going to, you know, just be more knowledgeable of the business. You're going to have a better idea of where there are opportunities to get better. And, you know, you're going to know what your manager is telling you if it's legitimate or not, right? Are they blowing smoke or, you know, are they, are they accurate in some of the, the challenges that they may be sharing with you that, that they have? Um, and, and, you know, structure and process. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, the more of that you you set up from the beginning, the easier it's going to be to realize if there's an issue with your manager and, and you're probably going to be in a much better position to try to, you know, coach them up and, and get them to where they need to be. But if none of that's working, you know, cut bait sooner rather than fast. They always say hire slow, fire fast. And it's, and it's very true. Um, but in order to do all that, you've got to have, you know, kind of a plan B, right? So again, whether it's two months in, six months in, a year in, three years in, you know, you've had a manager running the business for you. Now they're not working out. You know, you need to make a change. What are you going to do? You know, if you haven't put any thought into that at all, up until you get to that breaking point where you need to make a change, chances are you're going to kick the can kind of like we did. You're going to delay, 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 um, or it's going to be highly disruptive, right? So if you're in the boat where, you know, you have a full-time corporate job and you've started a franchise and you have a manager running it for you, before you commit to anything, you need to put some serious thought into, okay, what happens if the person I hire to run this doesn't work out? what are my options and how do I replace that person, uh, keep the business going while I'm looking to replace them? So is that you jumping in full time and, you know, keeping things running until you're able to find a good manager to bring on? Maybe depends on your situation, but you need to think through it. And if that's not feasible, if you simply will not have the bandwidth to do that, then you need to think through, okay, what's my other option, right? Look, the fact of the matter is some businesses, the type of manager that you would need are a more skilled or a higher caliber employee than others. So, you know, if if you're looking at, at a business opportunity, knowing good and well that, hey, if, if a manager doesn't work out, uh, I, there's no way I can jump in and be involved full-time until I can replace that manager, then, you know, you should be looking at businesses that, you know, probably are are not as operationally challenging, that, you know, don't have as many moving parts and pieces and that, you know, require a manager that's not going to be as skilled or as high caliber, simply meaning it's going to be easier to, to find a suitable replacement um, in the event you do have to make a change. Right. And in something like an insulation business, you know, the the manager, uh, that was a pretty dynamic role. Right. I mean, he was wearing a lot of hats and he needed, you know, to be pretty skilled. And so I think that was a big part of why we hesitated to make a move. Um, 
in in terms of making a change is simply that you know we weren't all that confident that we'd be able to find someone better and there's also a pretty steep learning curve right with that type of a business um you know so we kind of took the approach of you know it's the 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 devil you know um type of thing i think it it a little bit got to that point with us and um so the point is you need to think through what's plan b what happens if your manager leaves you what happens if you have to let your manager go what happens if your manager gets hit hit by a bus god forbid but all of a sudden they're not there they're not in the picture anymore what then are you jumping in are you able to did you learn enough about the business in the beginning um and if none of that's an option then, then what does that look like? You know, when when we ultimately parted ways with with our manager, and and it ended up being mutual in this case, right? I mean, we didn't actually fire him. Um, I think he got burned out, and and I'll tie that back into the the setting clear expectations, and you know, making sure that you know they're they're incentivized appropriately. Maybe there were some things we could have done differently with our our compensation plan so that he could have some financial wins a little bit earlier. Um, you know, I, I don't think we were involved enough, right? So I think he probably felt like he was on an island at at some times and that he wasn't getting the support. And then when we would try to get more involved and um you know, check in on things and try to help and try to point out areas where we saw opportunity that wasn't always well received, but, but I can kind of, I guess, put myself in his shoes and understand why if, you know, for, for a period of time we're we're not highly involved and then all of a sudden we're trying to get more involved, that could easily be interpreted as just, you know, we don't think he's doing a good job. And, you know, all this time he was a hard worker. It was, you know, really just that, that lack of being able to evolve as the business grew and, and evolved that, you know, ultimately ended up being why it didn't work out. Um, so I know I'm kind of rambling here. These are just, you know, as I reflect back on the last three years, um, some, some big lessons that we've learned and, and that I know will, will help us personally going forward, you know, when it comes to, the businesses we own today, any business was, uh, businesses we get into in the future. I'm not here to say that you can't start a franchise business and, and hire someone to run it for you from the beginning. But these are the things you need to really think through. And as I really touched on in the, the first episode, you know, prior to this, this solo episode, when I address this topic, you need to really be selective in the type of business that you get into, because there are really, truly businesses that are better suited for this manage the manager um, approach than others. And so I think that alone is, is going to increase your likelihood of being successful. Um, in, in a big way, if you're looking at the right types of franchises. And what I mean by that is business model and um, kind of what I mentioned earlier, you know, ones that are just not as operationally challenging and, um, you know, where, where, you know, your likelihood of finding a really good, you know, manager and then even being able to, to replace a manager at some point is going to be higher 
um, and you've got maybe a little little bit of a deeper talent pool. Um, so, I mean, I hope some of this is helpful. Um, I'm always happy to to talk with anyone that's considering franchise ownership, uh, has questions about it. You know, I, I really love getting to know people and understanding where they are, where they're looking to go and, and how business ownership could potentially help them get there. And then just strategizing on, you know, what are some of the different approaches that they could look at? Because, you know, it's it's probably one of, if not the biggest thing that that holds people up from actually, you know, making a move to get into business for themselves is, you know, how do, how do I get started, right? It's a very difficult thing and understandably so, to say, okay, I'm going to quit a good paying job, even if I don't love it, even if I don't, you know, get excited about the idea of doing it for another five, 10 years, whatever. It's a very tough pill to swallow to say, I'm going to quit this good paying job, walk away from the benefits and start a business knowing good and well that it's going to take me a period of time to build that business to the point where I'm seeing income at all much less replacing the income that that I'm accustomed to. So that's a big question for people. And I think a lot of people just get to that point and they they stop. So look, there are ways to do this. You just need to be smart about it. You need to, it's a lot of different things you need to think through and, and a lot of different things you need to calculate, but totally doable. People have done it all the time. People have done it much more successfully than than we have up to this point. Um, so, you know, I hope hearing a little bit of, of, you know, some of the lessons that we've learned is, is helpful. Um, and I'm, I'm an open book guys. I'm happy to share, you know, any of our wins, any of our losses, um, you know, anything that, that, uh, you know, we've done wrong that, that, hopefully others can learn from, you know, that's, that's a big part of why, why I do this podcast. So um, send me a note or, you know, get in touch with me. Uh, my email's in the, in the show notes, there's a link to my calendar in the show notes. So I uh, would love to talk to you if you have questions about franchise ownership and, you know, different possibilities for, for you to start, you know, charting your own path to freedom. So thanks everyone for dropping in. We'll be back next week with some good interviews. Um, So appreciate you tuning in and share this with anyone else you think may get value from it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.